Welcome to Shabbat Shalom. This is your host, Sam Frankart, and this is episode 23. Today, we're looking at the second half of chapter 7. We talked last episode about the sealing of the 144,000. Today, we'll be looking at the great multitude in white robes and reading Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17. Here we go. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he sits on the throne, and he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not be down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center before the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a beautiful picture of heaven. This scene describes how God will provide for his children's need in their eternal home where there will be no hunger, thirst, or pain. He'll wipe every tear away. I remember being on a long road trip a few years back and talking about this. I was with a couple high school seniors and we were on our way to Atlanta, Georgia for the Passion Conference. Now, I live in Michigan, so when I say it was a long road trip, it was a long road trip. We were in the car for about 16 hours. So we're about four or five hours into our trip when we started talking about heaven. There's so much we don't know about it, but it can be fun to dream and imagine. I remember us hoping that we'd be able to fly or hoping that we'd be like Jesus in his resurrected body when he was able to walk through walls and enter into locked rooms. I'm super into fitness, so I remember saying something about how I hope I still get to work out and run and swim in heaven. We also talked about these verses and how in heaven there won't be any pain or tears. We'll be with Jesus. We'll be face to face with the Lord. What joy unimaginable. And that's what we're reading about here. There's this multitude, too many people to count, and they're before the throne and worshiping the Lord. Let's dig into this verse by verse and see what we can learn. Verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. All right, I'm going to stop us here. So as I was studying for this episode, I did a few super in-depth word studies. I looked up the English word in the Greek and then looked the word up in the Hebrew. And once I had the Hebrew word, I was able to locate places in the Old Testament where the same word was used. I love doing this, even though it takes me like an hour to do one word, but I love it 
because it adds so much more depth to the words that we're reading. So the first word in this verse that I did a word study on was the word multitude. And here's what I learned. The same word is used in multiple places in both the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, we find it in Numbers 20-20, where it means people, like this big gathering of people. And the root word, it also means to have or to hold, and specifically to hold in the hand. This is super interesting because it gives the picture of God holding all the people in his hand. And if we jump forward to the New Testament, this word shows up in Luke 12, 1 and means myriad or 10,000. It can also mean multitude or noise or tumult, like the sound or tumult of a crowd of people. And that fits for this verse, doesn't it? In multiple ways. This, as we're about to read, is the great multitude that came out from the Great Tribulation. So they've been through noise, they've been through tumult, and, and now they're gathered together in the hand of God, who is holding them close and calling them his own. So this innumerable group of people is from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So two things stand out to me as I read this. First, John is in heaven, witnessing the scene, and he doesn't see a multitude of cloned people who all look the same, who have wings like angels. No, he sees diversity. He sees people from every nation, tribe, people, group, and language. What this means to me is that we'll retain our diversity in heaven. Who we are here on earth will be celebrated in heaven. If you're a Native American, if you're from Canada, Israel, New Zealand, Russia, South Africa, you'll still retain your diversity in heaven, and it won't be a point of division. Rather, we'll be together in unity, before the throne and before the Lamb. I don't know how I'll communicate since it's every language, but there are some things I guess we don't need to have an answer to right now. So the second thing that stands out to me is that John writes that every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. And, and so I looked this up in the Old Testament to see if there's anything that pointed to this before Jesus. And I found a few interesting passages, but the place where it's repeated a few times is in the book of Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar commands all nations and people of every language to worship this image that he has set up. And this is the same story you might have heard in Sunday school. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these three men were devout Jews and refused to bow down to the idol image that the king had set up. As a result, the king had them thrown into a fiery furnace. But instead of burning up, the Lord protected them, and they came out of the furnace without so much as a hair on their head being singed. After this, the king changes his tone, and in chapter 4, he writes to all nations and people, just like we see in Revelation, all nations, all people of every language, and King Nebuchadnezzar tells them of the wonders of the Most High God. And this stands out to me because the king goes from rebellion to belief, and in the process, he tells all people to join him. Here, in Revelation chapter 7, a great multitude of every nation, tribe, people, and language is worshiping the one true king. Let's continue on in this verse. 
They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And maybe this is where we get this, this picture of, of people, just this white sea of people worshiping God in heaven, this multitude clothed in white robes. And this phrase, white robes, is repeated three times throughout this passage, and you know me in repetition, it stands out. So I decided to look up both the words white and the word rope. So we'll start with white because it's pretty quick and easy. So in this verse, white in the Greek can also mean shining, glittering, bright, or light. So I get this picture of freshly fallen snow, perfectly white, and the sun is just rising above the horizon and shining on it. You can picture it, right? Just the snow glittering and shining as it reflects the light of the sun. In the Hebrew, this word simply means to be white and has the picture of the Lord washing his people of their sin and corruption. It's pretty straightforward. So then the next word that I looked up was robes. And this one is fun. So the word in the Greek and the Hebrew actually means clothed. So in Hebrew, it means to cover, to clothe, or to conceal. And it gives the example of when the waters of the Red Sea covered the Egyptians, or the cloud of God's glory covered Mount Sinai, or the tabernacle in Exodus 15.5 and 24.15. It can also mean to dress, wear, or clothe, and there's the example of being clothed in armor or royal robes, and figuratively being clothed in righteousness and majesty, as we read about in Psalm 93.1. This all makes sense, but I think the thing that was most interesting to me when I was studying this was when I saw the places in the New Testament where this same word was used. There are two main locations where it's used, in Luke 23.11 and John 19.2. In both of these instances, it's where Jesus is being dressed by the soldiers. So in John's version, the soldiers are clothing Jesus in a purple robe. They're mocking him. They're ridiculing him. And when I read this, I was struck by his sacrifice for us. He took our shame on himself. He was clothed by it. He was mocked. And he gave us his purity and holiness. And we're clothed by him. It's his picture of redemption and sacrifice. The multitude in Revelation is clothed in white because of Jesus. So they're clothed in white robes and they're holding palm branches. Pause for just a second and think about this scene. There's the throne, there's the multitude of angels, there are the four living creatures, there are the 24 elders, there's flashes of lightning, peals of thunder, and now we read about this multitude clothed in white and holding palm branches. This sea of white capped by flags of green. It's almost too much to imagine. Let's look at the symbology of the palm branches. First of all, these remind us of how Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem in John 12, verses 12 through 16. Palm branches were an emblem of victory, and in one of the commentaries I was reading um, by David Guzik, of course, um, he wrote something that Charles Spurgeon had said. So Charles Spurgeon said of palm branches, the palm, the ensign of triumph, indicates most certainly a conflict 
and conquest. And that's exactly what we see here. There was a conflict and there is conquest and triumph. In John 12, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the crowd was shouting, Hosanna, which means save us or save now. Here, the multitude is crying out something else. Let's read verse 10. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Having an emblem of righteousness, which would be the white robes, they worship God for salvation. They recognize that God is the source of salvation and no one else. Salvation isn't something we earn, it's something God gives us. Sometimes believers on earth take their salvation almost for granted. This isn't true of the great multitude in heaven. They were shouting that salvation comes from God and from the Lamb. People try many ways to remove the guilt of sin. Good works, good deeds, intellectual pursuits, and even casting blame on others. In contrast, the multitude praises God, saying that salvation comes through Him alone, through Jesus and His sacrifice. Verse 11. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What stands out to me in these two verses is the fact that the angels, elders, and four living creatures begin and end their response with the word, Amen. And Amen, it's a word that we're probably pretty familiar with. Whether we grew up in church or not, this is a word that's made its way into movies and TV shows. You've probably used it at least once in your life, and you've definitely heard it used. But what does it actually mean? I did a word study on this word as well, and there are 12 different derivatives listed based on this one word. So the root word means to confirm, support, or uphold. It also means to be established, to be faithful, to be certain, and to believe in. The version of the word that's used in this verse is pretty common in the Bible. Amen here means verily or truly. It's a word that expresses a certain affirmation in response to what has been said. So when these heavenly beings begin their statement, they begin with amen, probably to affirm what they just heard the great multitude say. Then they use seven words to sing praise to God and they finish with an amen, verily, truly, yes. So these seven words that they use, Six of them showed up back in Revelation 5, verses 11 through 13, but in a different order. Here, thanks replaces riches. I think it's neat that the order changes. It shows that this order isn't a formula. I imagine these singers singing these words in different orders and thinking about the importance of each word as they praise God. Let's continue reading. Verses 13 and 14. Then one of the elders asked me, these and white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It was important that John knew the identity of this great multitude. 
but maybe he didn't know that he should ask. So one of the elders prompted him to ask. The elder lets John know that they have come out of the great tribulation. So the next word I looked up was tribulation. And there were a few things that I learned based on this word study. First, this same word can be found in Matthew 7:14, where Jesus said, How narrow the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. The root word there in Greek is tribos, which means a worn way or a path. And it's also connected to the Hebrew word arach, which means to journey. So tribulation can have the meaning of journeying on a road. And it gives me this idea of journeying through life and choosing the path that follows Jesus. Even though there are other paths and other roads to travel, it's choosing the, to follow the path that Jesus leads. This word can also be translated as to break, crush, press, squeeze, trouble, or affliction. And when I read that, uh, I have this picture of pressing grapes in a wine press. They have to be pressed, crushed, and squeezed in order to yield juice and eventually ferment into wine. It's through the process of crushing the grapes that, that wine is produced. And wine throughout the Bible is a symbol of joy. This is similar to the picture that we see here in Revelation. The multitude has been pressed and crushed, but they followed the journey, the path of Jesus. And they're covered with the robes that have been made white in the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, they're pure, clean, and righteous. And white by the blood is an interesting phrase. We don't think of things being made white by the application of blood. But the blood of Jesus cleanses us. This is from Isaiah 1.18. He wrote, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. All right, let's finish out this chapter. We're going to read verses 15 through 17. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center before the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a beautiful picture of heaven. There's purpose, there's protection, there's love, there's provision, unceasing joy and peace. This is the destination of a believer. This is our future. Well, that's all we have for today. We'll pick up next Friday with Revelation chapter 8. Check out the show notes for a link to a commentary from David Guzik on Revelation 7, as well as other commentaries. You can find me on Instagram at Sam Frankhart. Until then, Shabbat Shalom. Maranatha.